Have you been shadow banned by the liberal media? Free market got you down? Do you get ratioed on every Twitter post because of your shit takes on literally everything? Then producer Dave and HK are probably watching your three-hour dissertation on how a tomato cannot possibly be a fruit because gender and critical race theory can be cured with ivermectin. The Intellectual Dollar Tree, every Wednesday at 7 p.m. Pacific. Please leave it a one-star review on iTunes. Check out the rest of our schedule at ecoplexmedia.com. All the things are bad. There are no good things.
everybody. Welcome to the Plex. We do the show live every Sunday, usually at seven, and we'll be going back to seven every Sunday, no matter what, starting next week. Assuming nothing goes wrong with the upcoming move, the first show out of the new space will be uh, the Sunday show, obviously, with a bit of a stripped-down setup, but I, I do believe I can get everything set up and get that docket ready to go, uh, mostly because all of you help in Discord. Shout out to those who help in my Discord. That's discord.me slash echoplex. And if you're out there in podcast land listening, audio only, head on over to echoplexmedia.com slash support. Bunch of different ways to support the project there. Uh, you can support with monthly donations via Patreon or uh, via eplex.store powered by Fourth Wall. Big shout out to Fourth Wall. They've uh, helped us monetize here in uh, ways that we never uh, thought possible. Anyway, I'm Producer Dave. For now, you can find me on your grinder grid in uh, South San Jose, California. And this is what the people want. I don't hate the cops And there's a person inside when the truncheon stops I don't hate the cops But when the raiders come Who will protect the shops? Don't hate the cops They're a sensitive bunch If you don't stop throwing your rocks Snap, crackle, pop Is the sound of a taser Your body drops Don't hate the cops But don't hate the cops Don't hate the cops But don't hate the cops Like your local police Cause they don't do nothing wrong Like your local police Got rid of the corruption And the racism is gone They've been keeping the peace Keeping homeless folks out of the parks and malls Got a cure for your social disease Follow the law, don't hate the cops Follow the law, don't hate the cops First, we got Jesse Waters versus his own mother. We have a very special guest on the line, a Democrat, my mom. Mom, hello how there, have you? Jesse. Hello there, mom. <laughs> how have you um, enjoyed the show so far? 
I have enjoyed the show. I want to say congratulations, Honey Bun. We are so proud of you and your accomplishments, <laughs> you. and you've worked so hard. Now let's aim to have you keep your job. And <laughs> to that end, I do have some suggestions. Okay. Do not tumble into any conspiracy rabbit holes. We do not want to lose you, and we want no lawsuits. Okay. In, okay? In yeah. keeping, I, I have a list here. In keeping okay. with the Hippocratic Oath, do no harm. We need you to be kind and respectful. Okay. You yourself mentioned that humble is a stretch, so I, I get that. <laughs> Use your voice responsibly to promote conversation that maintains a narrative thread. There, there really has been enough Biden bashing, and the laptop is old. <laughs> Perhaps you could suggest that your people take less interest, for example, in other people's bodies, and talk about that. <laughs> Mom is laying down the law to Waters. She's like, Waters, Waters, don't do a Tucker Carlson, or just maybe don't do the thing that you've been doing this whole time. I dread the day my mom calls into this show, though. I'm gonna be honest. Like, not, not the, uh, not the least brave thing I guess the Waters has ever done. Oh, but there's more. Here we go. There's, there's. Here's the rest of that segment. You could suggest that your people take less interest, for example, in other people's bodies, and talk about that. Oh wait, 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 wait! We're trying to keep other people's interest away from children's bodies. That was the point of that segment. Mom, I, I, I love you. Wait, I was, wait, 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 okay. wait, wait, wait. I, I knew this was a bad idea. Seek Yo, don't talk over mom. Solutions versus fanning the flames. You okay. could encourage that Bedminster friend of yours to return to his earlier career on television. Everyone in his audience could wear a red hat, and okay. I'm sure the ratings would soar, although All never right. as high, my darling as yours on Jesse Waters Primetime. Good luck. Thank you very much, Mom. I love you very much. And, I love uh, you. I'm thinking that a small dinner between five and eight all would right, be we the gotta way to go. go. Mom. This is just... <laughs> she just invited him over for dinner. He's like, Mom, I'm not going to dinner. Fucking, fucking great television. Have, have Waters' mom call in every night. Fuck it. She could be like, Jesse, Jesse, what are you doing? Jesse, again? I don't, what did I have? Do we really have to? Do we really have to do this again? So up next, this one's a little bit longer, but we did have a bit of a slow news week, so I do have a couple longer uh, segments, longer clips that we're going to cover. We may not watch the whole thing, but this is a Jem Acosta versus Rep Representative Tim. What is that? Burchett. Uh, he's a Republican from Tennessee, and um, they're going to talk about uh, the Trump document scandal. Should go great. attempts to overturn the 2020 election. Earlier today on CNN, Trump's uh, former vice president and 2024 political rival, Mike Pence, downplayed that kind of rhetoric. I have more confidence in the American people than that. I, I, hear, I hear my former running mate's frustration uh, in his voice, but, uh, uh, but uh, I'm sure uh, the American people uh, will respond in our movement in a way that will express, uh, as they have every right to, uh, uh, under the First Amendment to express concerns that they have about what they perceive to be unequal treatment of the law, but I, I don't, I'm not concerned about it. 
Tennessee Republican Congressman Tim Burchett joins us now. Oh, that's a nice tie. Uh, great to see you. Thanks so much for joining us. We appreciate it. Um, if Trump is charged, convicted, sentenced to jail, what do you think might happen? I don't think there'll be riots. I think you'll have limited uh, dissatisfaction with it, but I honestly don't, just don't see it. I think um, this country is, and I know the conservative movement is is just really tired of burning the country down and seeing it burn down all over we oh that's right he ever they all they can't talk about any protest without fucking being like you know they burned the whole country down in 2020 you know your house it's not even there for that with black lives matters and then everything else i just i just don't think it's gonna happen i think it's um it's clickbait and i think uh the american public knows better you think trump should be making threats like that saying it would be very dangerous if he ends up in jail of course not. Of course not. That's just Trump being Trump, though. You know, he's he's got that New York bravado, and I, you know, I, New York bravado. I, I've, I guess you could make a career out of saying things you wish that he hadn't said, but it's just the reality of where we're at. And every time he says it, his numbers. People in New York up. City hate Donald so, uh, Trump. You know, it's it's not the way it is for me. I'll tell you that. If I was, uh, <laughs> you know, you know, East Tennessee better than most, um, my numbers would be declining right now. Yeah, but uh, why aren't more Republicans calling him out and saying, don't do that? I mean, the last time he was whipping things up like this, we had uh, an attack on the Capitol. Shouldn't he just knock it off? Yeah, I, I would. I think that'd be the best. The best. Well, this guy's actually coming off fairly reasonable. It's not Trump. And you know it. And I know it. If he was quiet about it all, we wouldn't be talking about it. and His numbers wouldn't be going up again. And so it's just him being him. I. I wish I wish the heck they wouldn't he wouldn't do it. And I wish when he said it, people wouldn't publicize it. So but I didn't hear him say it. I don't know what context it was in. I, I didn't hear it. <laughs> I didn't hear him say it. I didn't know what context it was in. And, um, honestly, I I would have probably chosen my words a little different. And, and as you know, we were expecting an indictment in this case. Any time now that will be a Trump's third um, after the last one in the classified documents uh, investigation, you call for the Justice Department to be defunded. Uh, do you still feel that way? Yeah. Don't we need a, don't we need know, a Justice Department? This, I think at certain levels we do. But I think what's happened, Jim, is, as you've seen, I mean, the Steele dossier, for instance, it wasn't documented or anything. And now we, but the Justice Department didn't have anything to do with the Steele dossier. We have these latest reports coming out showing over ten million dollars in, um, in 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 payout bribery, if you will, to Hunter Biden and another Biden, and um, and they those two are technically not documented, but yet nobody seems to pay those any attention. But Trump was impeached. Technically not documented. Does that mean you have no evidence for the claim? Is that what technically dot not documented means? I just um, I think the Justice Department is is uh, is kind of a pick and choose right now. And and I but like I, prosecutors always pick and choose who to prosecute. That's why when you see the um, in, in oversight committee, when most of the Democrats, instead of reviewing what was going on before you, those well, um, the, those those gentlemen that came forward, the whistleblowers very bravely came forward. That's why they which whistleblowers. I remember when they kept saying they had all these whistleblowers and then all of a sudden, no, no, that, that the whistleblower, she goes to another school. You can't you can't meet her. You're never going to meet her. weren't attacking them because Canada. their credentials were impeccable and they knew at least one of them was a Democrat. So um, uh, and that's why they they chose to 
direct their their uh, distaste towards Trump because it's always it's good for the base. Like, does this guy think Congress and the DOJ are the same thing? It sells. Congress isn't it's the one filing charges against the former president. It's the Department of Justice, and it looks like uh, some state officials in uh, fucking Georgia might do so as well. Frankly, it doesn't doesn't do much for me. And in your view, has Trump done anything wrong in either the classified documents case or uh, his attempts to overturn the 2020 election? Of course, I'm not a legal expert. I'm definitely not a not a lawyer. But from what I've seen, I mean, the circumstantial evidence, it's just that circumstantial evidence. People get convicted on circumstantial evidence all the time. Again, a steel dossier, unproven document, yet it was run. It was clearly uh but the steel dossier wasn't a fucking like in it, it wasn't ever in court as evidence against anything the steel dossier was oppo research politically motivated and it was proven and now we have we have informants coming forward telling us that these things that that you know that, that they accused trump of are things that the biden family was was obviously guilty of and and now we're, well, we're trying the, to find out if they even it's pay not taxes circumstantial on evidence millions and, yeah, but in the documents case, it isn't circumstantial evidence that he had the documents. That he I mean, the circumstances were that he had the documents. The documents back, and he refused to oh, no, <laughs> return no, the sorry. documents. I'm sorry. Yeah. No. Yeah. I mean, he's yeah, a, you're, he's you're admitted correct it. there. You're correct there. I, I apologize there. No, I thought. You and were he did try to overturn the, the election uh, the on January. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He should. Yeah, absolutely. I, and I actually, you know, I had discussions with leadership and others, and I've called for for a different scenario for those type of documents. I don't think that they should ever be leave the hands of the bureaucrats i think they ought to be assigned to somebody and then when they're finished reading them as is with me when i go into the skiff i'm assigned a person and you know it's like i say it's james bond you take your cell phone off you take your your fitbit i don't carry a fitbit but anything else <laughs> does anybody carry a fitbit like what electronic device you a few years behind you, and you have to leave it outside and literally there's somebody in there um, with those documents that watches you, you read over those documents. And I, I feel like that ought to be the way, um, that ought to be the way that they handle these things with the White House. They should never, because they, they just keep going back. They keep finding them. They found them back, you know, Obama and then Clinton, of course, and the Bushes have, have turned over well, but, documents after they've gotten out of office. Sure. But, but other sorry. folks have had documents, but they've returned them. When they've been asked, they've returned them. Uh, Donald Trump refused to do that again. Yeah. And I and I guess yeah. I, I guess and my I, point is and where I'm going with this I, I, is that I, if if he does these things and, and most folks can agree that it was wrong for him to retain the documents, refuse to give them back. A lot of people uh, believe it was wrong for him to try to yeah, overturn the election results. When it was clear. Shouldn't he? Sure. But shouldn't he be punished for that? If he did bad things, shouldn't he be punished like anybody else? I, I don't have a problem with saying that he shouldn't. But but at what level is he? Um, was he doing it to to uh, disseminate that that secret documents to um so <clears throat> with classification the thing is when someone steals classified documents the intent really doesn't matter we uh, operate under the assumption that they're going to uh, show them to someone else to foreign to, to our, our our enemies or what was he doing i'm pretty sure he was just bragging to kid rock that he had him but do you want kid rock knowing fucking secrets i don't want kid rock knowing secrets intent there was the intent just to be just to be trump and say i'm not going to turn them back you can't have them kind of thing and i yeah. mean the whole thing was ridiculous he should have returned them in the beginning they but do you they think he should be punished uh, i guess that kept them 
What do you I think? Don't, I don't know at what level. I mean, you're usually pretty good at giving it. What if, if it's yes, then it's not, then it's out of your hands. It's just your opinion that somebody should probably pay the piper for what they did. Then it's out of your hands, and that's up to the fucking, it's up to the court system. I, I don't, I don't, I don't see it as a as a major, as a major thing. If he did not, if he if he disseminated the, uh, but you can't know. That's the thing is you can't fucking know. You just have to take his word for it that he wasn't disseminating information to anybody who shouldn't have it, essentially. The information. Because then some, some other person has the fucking information and then they disseminate it. They don't need the document to disseminate the information that was in the documents if they saw them. This is all like, what the fuck? Throw the book at him, put him in jail, cuff him and stuff him. But if he just kept him there at his place and, and, and we don't have any evidence that anybody else that could do us harm and saw them. And, and two, the reality is, Jim, once those documents are printed and, and they're out there, it's not very long. I mean, I've been in the skiff and I've walked out and heard your colleagues from your state, from CNN, within 15 minutes talking about what was secret and what was discussed in well, the skiff. Okay. And because I've been there and watched happen. it and I see that. But let me ask well, you something else. You, you, some have, you have pretty good sources. You're playing your, yourself down, Jim. You're pretty... You're a pretty influential guy. You, you've got some pretty good sources. But what about this talk about expunging the impeachments? Do you, you don't think that that is that even possible? How would you do I, that? I don't see that happen. I, I, that's another question. I, you know, McCarthy said, Speaker McCarthy said, apparently I, I saw the reports. I saw that, you I buy think that? ABC jumped on it. I don't. I, you know, I've heard I've heard some of our members. I've heard Marjorie Taylor Greene and some of the other members or moving something forward. But I, you know, legally, I don't know how you would do that. I, I, I've never, yeah. I've never heard. You don't, I don't think, yeah, I don't know if you can. Now, I guess the, the legal minds will say, like well, if it, no, no. And it's, you know, I've heard the legal minds argue even over if a president can, um, can pardon himself. So I don't know. <clears> I would hope the answer is no. Would be. I think that's up to the constitutionalist and, and, um, and I'm obviously not, um, uh, I'm not very learned in in the in the legal world, although I've spent most of my life passing laws. Yeah, uh, a lot of times I have to ask the lawyers exactly what's going on with that. So go ahead. I'm yeah, sorry. Qu qu no, quick final question. I want to talk about a hearing that the House uh, Foreign Affairs Committee is holding this week about the existence of UFOs, or as they're now called UAPs. <laughs> yes. I don't know why we renamed them, but now they're UAPs, uh, unidentified aerial phenomenon. Uh, you said you've, you're 100 percent sold on this. Yes, sir. I am. I'm actually. Uh, it's actually oversight, not foreign affairs. But oh, sorry okay. to correct sorry. you. I know that's yep, the wrong that's thing to right. do. But, but, right. but no. But it's uh, it's it. Yeah. It's it's the 26th this Wednesday at uh, at 10 o'clock, and we're having a full hearing. We've got three expert witnesses. Uh, so the reason they got changed from a UFO, unidentified flying object, to uh, unidentified aerial phenomena is that it's more accurate because we don't know if these phenomena are objects or if they're light or uh, hallucinations or if <clears throat> equipment's malfunctioning that's why uap is a better better term for it but i want to talk a little bit about uh that old tim uh birchett here tim birchett seems kind of reasonable if only he had um a backbone if only he had a little more courage i, I probably disagree with almost all his politics but he was kind of dancing around saying the right thing but he just couldn't do it he just didn't have the backbone to say the right thing there uh anyway we're gonna move on here we got a gymnasium jordan versus maya wiley love it when people stick it to gymnasium jordan 
Point of order, Mr. Chairman. The Democrat beforehand got an extra minute. Her sentence. Trying to be generous. Finish her sentence. Generous, even when the response is that the government determines the truth. I would like for her to be able to finish her sentence, Mr. Chairman. Then I will yield back. Okay, Ms. Wiley, you can finish your sentence. Thank you. I'm not sure I remember the sentence, but thank you. I just think the point was it was. I do. You were saying the government should be the arbiter of what's true. Please not put words into the mouth of the witness and let her respond. It's her now recognizes the gentlelady from New York, the gentlelady from California. I love how you follow the rules, the Mr. Is, Chairman. It's is, really indicative of what is, a kangaroo uh, court this is and what a circus it is. by the chair. It's censorship by the chair. Oh, Lord. Gentlelady Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Yeah, I mean, that's not fucking, that's not wrong. If you fucking are asking somebody a question and you just use your position to talk over them so they can't answer the question, that is, I mean, I don't know if it's censorship, but you're certainly not letting them answer the question. And um, I don't know if you think you got somebody or whatever, like if you're like, oh, I got him. Well, let him answer the fucking question. Here's another one. The house was a little spicy this week. So here's another clip from the house this week. Um, are you aware that China does not like the United States and that has engaged in espionage activities against the United States? I don't have any personal professional knowledge of, of that. Okay. Well, I suggest you read Breitbart. It never <laughs> ceases to amaze me what will come out of some of my colleagues' mouths. So it was suggested that you should read Breitbart, and I, I couldn't let it go. And so just for the general public, because I don't want anybody to believe that that's a good idea, I just got on Google, which if you have a cell phone, we can all do that. Breitbart News Network is an American far-right syndicated news opinion and commentary website found in mid-2007 by American conservative commentator Andrew Breitbart. Breitbart News content has been described as misogynistic, xenophobic, and racist by academics and journalists. So... I don't know that that's where I want anybody to take their cues from, especially when they're trying to run this country. That part. And then let me clear up another little part real quick. DACA is political, is what I heard just now. Just to be clear, uh, you... Oh, get, get, sometimes it's weird where it gets cut off because I wanted to hear maybe what she had to say about DACA because DACA is political. It's a political process. It's a law. But I wanted to hear what she had to say about it. But Whatever. I mean, if I was, if I really, if I'm really that mad about it, I can go find the hearing and pull the clips myself, which I don't have time for. I need a team. Uh, I need a team. I need like a whole ass team. Anyway, up here is uh, Kevin McCarthy. Uh, Kevin McCarthy is going to talk about uh, how people who didn't even like Donald Trump uh, like him now because he's been, uh, I don't know, accused of crimes by the Department of Justice and probably soon to be by the state of Georgia. That's how I decide who I like. Like you've been accused of crimes. The Justice Department treated the Biden family one way and now found a new way to go after their political opponent and President Trump. I don't think it's just... So, so Hunter Biden um, took a plea deal and agreed to the terms of a plea deal for the crimes that he admitted to having committed. Frustrated. I think Americans would be frustrated because as I go across the country, that is what I'm hearing. I hear from people who said, you know what? I never voted for President Trump, but I'm going to vote for him now based upon how he's getting treated. Because if they can treat him that way, they could do that to any American. And that is what they believe has to stop, that you need equal justice. Imagine people finally, imagine people figuring out, like, even if they're figuring it out the wrong way, figuring out that the Department of Justice isn't always like the most just organization. And sometimes they'll go after people for political reasons. I mean, I don't think that's what's going on here, but imagine like that you thought 
that that just never happened until now. Like you you didn't, don't know shit if that's what you thought. So here's uh, here's Ron DeSantis on uh, Trump's legal trouble. I don't think it serves us good to have a presidential election focused on what happened four years ago uh, in January. And so I want to focus on looking forward. I don't want to look back. I, I do not want to see him. I hope he doesn't get charged. I don't think it'll be good for the country. Uh, but at the same time, I've got to focus on looking forward. And that's what we're going to do. Jack Smith has um, prosecuted Democrats, too. I mean, he prosecuted or at least was part of the prosecution of Senator Menendez, uh, Senator John Edwards. Are you saying that if he finds evidence of criminality, he should not charge Donald Trump anyway? What, what I'm saying is, when you're going after somebody on the other side of the political spectrum, if you're stretching statutes to try to criminalize maybe political disagreements, that is wrong. Now, is that what's going on? Speculation. But I think we've gone down the road in this country of trying to criminalize uh, differences in politics rather than saying, okay, you don't like somebody, then defeat them in the election rather than trying to use uh, the, the justice system. So, But most people who get accused of crimes don't have an election coming up where they can be like, oh, well, you know, if you think I committed this crime, you should just beat me in the election. Like, if I got arrested for something tomorrow, I wouldn't just be like, well, let the people vote. Because the people don't know who the fuck I am. And so that doesn't really... That's a... The, the fucking Department of Justice cannot operate that way. Like, the, that would be the most unjust thing that the Department of Justice could do is just to decide that, ah, if somebody's going to run for office, we, you know... I mean, yeah, they did all these crimes. They were out there criming. But uh, they're going to run for office, so, you know, maybe not now. Maybe not now. Now is not the best time. Other people don't just get charged with crimes when it's fucking convenient for them. Hella stupid. Um, here is uh, Ron DeSantis on the Jesse Waters show um, talking about Bud Light and pensions. So we do have these shares. Uh, we believe that when you take your eye off the ball like that, you're not following your fiduciary duty uh, to do the best you can for your shareholders. So we're going to be launching an inquiry uh, about Bud Light and InBev, and it could be something that leads to a derivative lawsuit uh, filed on behalf of the shareholders of the Florida uh, Pension Fund, because at the end of the day, there's got to be penalties for when you put... So isn't InBev, the, the company that owns Anheuser-Busch, isn't that company still up? Isn't their stock still up over the same time last year? business aside to focus on your social agenda at the expense of hardworking people. Are you looking at Disney too? I don't know if you saw the show last night, Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. Disney's firing six of the dwarves. They think being a dwarf isn't inclusive enough, Governor. Oh, that was a, that was a gag. I'm pretty sure the, the InBev, Anheuser-Busch's parent company, I'm pretty sure their stock is up over a year ago. And it's certainly not, if it's down, it's like not down in any sort of gigantic way this is like this is like a giant conglomerate that owns like so many different beer brands that you'd have to they'd have to do something i mean i don't even know there's so many fuck it's so diversified that, that if any like up and down in the in their share price is probably uh, more more likely to be market forces than any particular um decision they made so there's some question about this ad it's it looks like it's a it's a pro desantis video and there's some people on twitter who are saying they think that it came from the desantis camp but they put it out through a third party and now i don't know i'm loath to speculate um i try to like not speculate too much especially about this stuff this isn't really my area of expertise anybody who listens to this show 
maybe as a podcast every week and doesn't like check out the other stuff we do. Like we're, I do a weekly news show because we always have, but this isn't like my area of expertise. So hopefully someone else can get to the bottom of this, but this ad is kind of fucking crazy. It doesn't let me. Do you want to feel how it feels? Do you want to know, know that it doesn't hurt me? Do you want to hear about the deal I made again? It's you. It's you and me. Whoa, I didn't watch out to the end. Whoa, got a little fashy at the end there. Just, just a little fashy at the end there. Just, you know, just a touch of fascism to go with your cringe ad. Um, <laughs> so up next we got, a. Uh, how should Florida teach black history? Again, these are uh, slightly longer clips. Uh, we got one that's uh, nine minutes and then the next one is uh, seven minutes. We may not run the whole thing, but we'll, we'll see here. Good Sunday morning. I'm Glenna Milberg. As we come on the air today, the backlash against and the defense of Florida's new standards for African-American history curriculum has gone nationwide. The Board of Education signed off this week on new lesson plans, months in the making, specifically to align classroom instruction with the new state laws that reframe how to teach about race and about sex and gender identity as well. Critics are slamming that curriculum for avoiding horrific and painful experiences of enslaved people. And in one particular line that has headlined much of the outcry seems to suggest that learning new labor skills was a benefit to them. That is listed in the middle school section. Quoting here, instruction includes how slaves developed skills, which in some instances could be applied for their <laughs> benefit, unquote. I mean, it, it's, you can't you can't cry, right? So you got to laugh at this shit. The political divide marking Florida's year of culture war climate. Vice President Kamala Harris in Jacksonville this week unleashed. Just yesterday in the state of Florida, they decided middle school students will be taught that enslaved people benefited from slavery. They insult us in an attempt to gaslight us and we will not stand for it. Governor Ron DeSantis in full defense of the new standards as thorough and factual. It's thorough. Education Commissioner Manny Diaz called it comprehensive and complete, the good, the bad, and the ugly of African-American history. And what we should be striving to do is provide our students with all of this information and let them formulate their own opinions. That is what true learning is. And I know when the bill was passed... This is wild. What's this guy saying? I thought we had kind of fucking... Thought we'd been like, oh, the slavery thing. Actually, bad. Bad. Nope, we got to let the Floridian students make up their own minds. And we're also going to be like, oh, I was like on the job training. But also they whooped that ass. Like, well, no. The comments about 
what can be taught could not be taught. I think that these standards, anybody who wants to look at them, can clearly see that it answers that question. That is a in-depth coverage of African-American history. At that, at that board meeting, the department's chancellor for K-12 public schools, who is an African-American man, presented the work of the task force he led that wrote the new standards and backhanded critics, including teachers unions and the media. There were questions, there were trepidation. People weren't sure, are we really going to be able to write African-American history standards? And our teams made it very clear that, as the commissioner said, we had to write factual, objective African-American history standards. Uh, the commissioner said it, it covers the good, the bad, the ugly. We want to provide all of the information uh, to our students. So for the folks in the media and in the teachers union who, who are watching, uh, we want you to please pay close attention uh, because you've been peddling really a false narrative. We invited the Education Commissioner to join us today, and we invited the one African-American member of Florida's Board of Education that approved the standards this week unanimously. Neither of them responded to those invitations. So today we bring back the This Week in South Florida Roundtable, the insightful, diverse voices of South Florida right here at the table. Mark Caputo is national political reporter at The Messenger, a new nationwide publication Nancy Ankrum is the veteran editorial page editor at the Miami Herald. Stephen Hunter Johnson is an attorney, a partner at Lidecker, and a member of 100 Black Men of South Florida and the Miami-Dade Black Fairs Advisory Board. Ed Pozzuoli has chaired Broward's Republican Party and is CEO of the Trip Scott Law Firm. Great to have you. Great to have you back. I've missed you so much. Wonderful to be back. Wonderful and, uh, to be. And, and what a topic to, to go over right now. <laughs> Couldn't be better. How many lawyers are there? Stephen Johnson, first question goes to you. This, I just want to set this up here. This did not come in a vacuum this week. This was a new law. This was a governor who replaced those, well, not replaced, but appointed the task force members. Mm -hmm. This was something we saw coming. Is, is what you see in those standards what you expected? What I expected, absolutely, because I think I said February 1st of this year that our governor was using attacks on African-American history um, for political purposes, and that was racist then, it's racist now. Let me explain. The changes that were made were made to add nuance to the idea of slavery as it was experienced in America. It was done in a way that we would never, absolutely never even consider in teaching the Holocaust. Yet, we are approaching slavery as though it was something that we have to both sides. We can't both sides slavery. There's no upside to it. It was inhumane. It was a travesty. It is a blemish on the country. And for anyone to try to show the other side or the benefits or spin it in a positive way, it is an affront not only to the black community, but to all Americans. It, do you, Nancy, do you see it that way? Do you see it? We're looking at not only a line, but we're looking at the whole standards. It's pretty comprehensive. And I, and I will say there was a lot of concern because of the anti-CRT backlash sure. in Florida that there would not be components that include the, the structural racism mm -hmm. that really still exists in many components of our society. Mm -hmm. and, and there is some of that there. There is. I'm more concerned by the both side-ism like of thin. it. As Stephen said, which is... Oh, one of these white guys on the other side of the table going to both sides were, it? I bet they are. Good benefits for this country. Well, you know, there were economically, but at what cost? And it's that context that cannot 
get lost. If we're truly talking about American history, straight up American history, um, the attempt to um, soften, to homogenize uh, slavery, is, is that, you, you see that as a, a trying to, it's a sugarcoating. Sure. It's, it's not a Florida thing. Uh, as a matter of fact, Florida is late to the game. If you do some reading and some backgrounding, you find that this is happening in schools across the country more quietly. Uh, blacks were immigrants. Um, these textbooks are out there referring to um, the Civil War as the war between the straight states. You know, that was going to be one of my questions. Ed, mm -hmm. I know you actually have your fingers in the education process in many ways in, your, yeah. in parts of your life. It, what do other states do? I, I don't remember how I learned and when I learned. I really don't. Uh, what do other states do? Is this, is this an outlier? There are some states who take the position that it's a war between the states and that's how mm -hmm. it's approached. Um, there are others who take a more, uh, what I would say, a more realistic view that there's no excuse for slavery. I, I agree with Stephen in this respect that there's no excuse, but it, and it should be taught uh, in its good and bad and ugly, to quote Commissioner Diaz. The issue really, but the issue on this piece is you took five. What was the good part? Of a 215 page document mm -hmm. and you are now blowing it up. That's not political. I would say it is political, but hang on. But it's a political document. It's coming from the government. Education is political. Like what the fuck? Well, let me just answer that sure. and I'll prompt I'll get right back to you. I I'm going to say maybe it is political, maybe not, but it's also the way the media works. The, the media yeah. echo chamber in many ways takes something and runs with it especially when it's so controversial yeah. and so layered go ahead yeah and 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 and, and where so my question to and i would ask Stephen and nancy particularly but i'd offer it to the group hey where was the outrage when middle school student test scores came out you know five months ago and they were dismal where was the outrage in baltimore when half the students in in high school were five grades below reading level where was the oh my oh god this guy started off so good he's like oh yeah i actually kind of agree with this guy over here the good the bad and the ugly not much good is mostly bad and ugly and now he's like what about baltimore just to say the N-word, dude. Where was the outrage in Chicago when a, a substantial number of minority students there were not making the grade? Where was that? Where was that getting back to getting back kids into school in COVID that impacted uh, disproportionately minority students. These, the folks who are complaining about this today are the same ones who said, no, let's keep our kids out because they sided with the unions. Okay, in this but Wait, in this case- No, they didn't decide, well, the unions, the, they sided with the unions and with <clears throat> like the the, the health departments of most places. Mark I was about to say, because no, that no, was a wonderful goalpost uh, move. <laughs> I, look, listen, listen, listen. All of that whataboutism is great, but let's put all that aside, because what about how we teach slavery in America is the topic, it is the issue. And although I feel personally about it because it is my history and my, my family and ancestors' history, it's also American history. It is. And the way that we have approached this, knowing that arguably, without question, slavery in America is America's most horrible and horrendous act, only followed by Jim Crow and the violence thereafter, that we would teach it good, because you said good, bad, and ugly, that we would teach it good 
is an affront because Florida knows how to teach the Holocaust. In the same 200-page document you mentioned, the new requirement for teaching the Holocaust is it is the single greatest act of anti-Semitism known to the world. No equivocation. How do we equivocate when it comes to slavery? I don't well, think that's I don't Oh, fucking good fucking point. I was like, we're probably not going to watch both clips. Oh, yeah, we're watching both clips. Uh, here's the second clip uh, from that uh, panel discussion. I want to see what the other guy says. The other guy who hasn't spoken yet. Maybe he'll be good. Maybe he'll be, you know, not so great. We are back with the roundtable. Just want to wrap up our discussion on this new African-American history uh, standards, Ed, you know, there to, to Nancy's point, the, the wording of it, I think everyone who read this for the first time kind of, you know, w was shocked by the wording of at very least, you have to admit it's insensitive and kind of galling when you're talking about enslaved people to suggest that there was any benefit to anything. But but also to your point, this is a very comprehensive written kind of standards that has to fit within the framework of the right. law that says no one can feel guilty or feel ashamed. So so I want to hear from you, how important is it to recognize the perception of a significant portion of the population and the fears that this is sugarcoating something for generations to come? Well, I don't know if it's sugarcoating, but I do agree with Nancy that when you, in talking about slavery, we need to be nuanced about mm -hmm. it. I'm not suggesting that we discard the main point of it, it was slavery in, in all its warts and, and horrific uh, impacts. But, but in the meantime, I think we do need to put in place today, in front of classes today, where we don't put a divide between students, white and black, as an But you're not putting a, by teaching about slavery, you're not putting a divide between the white and the black students. I learned about slavery. I lived, I grew up in a diverse place. I never felt like it was putting a wedge between me and the, the black students in my class. What the fuck? We basically, uh, by talking about slavery, we've effectively victimized. The sole thing you come away with Wait, what? Is, is the victimization of, 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 of African-Americans on one hand and guilt on white students on the other. You, They're not teaching me to be per like teaching that atrocities happen to a marginalized group in the past does not mean that i should feel personal guilt about this this is bullshit you that's the that wrong way? approach Do you I, see it that just, way? Well, I don't see that i mean i, I let I the other guy talk i want to see if we i want to see if we hate the other guy too you should feel guilty for something you did not participate in and i think that a straight telling and of course a straight telling is going to impo be impossible in classrooms where people have qu where kids have questions and do want to discuss this they should be allowed to discuss this fully does does a german american child feel guilty when he hears about the holocaust maybe maybe not but no one particularly cares <laughs> oh the fucking our king where's this man's crown this is our king. That's not true though. You wait, wait, can't wait. do certain things we, in Germany anymore. Correct. Mm. But I'm talking about here. Here's my issue. In order to spare feelings and not make children feel guilty. Maybe the other white guy is just like, I'm just going to fucking shut the fuck up and collect my paycheck. He's like, this has gone off the rails. Teaching new lies. So for instance, in defense of this, um, two members, uh, two members of, of this board put out a statement that said, here's how slaves benefited from slavery. And they named uh, Booker T. Washington. Booker T. Washington, the famed educator. Booker T. Washington, who was nine years old at the end of emancipation. Booker T. Washington, who was illiterate 
coming out of slavery was their proof that slaves gained valuable skills that they could use. He was an educator. He taught himself how to read afterwards. In addition, I talked to Dr. Marvin Dunn. Dr. Marvin Dunn told me that, because I love this line, that in teaching, instruction includes act, uh, acts of violence perpetrated against and by African Americans, um, but is not limited to, they list a, a bunch of race riots, right? They also list the Okoye Massacre. Mm -hmm. Dr. Dunn told me, but there was no violence committed by any uh, uh, black people in Okoye. And the idea that now we have to both sides violence when, if we're talking about the Warsaw Uprising, we call that resistance. That's absurd. That's what they've been doing. And the idea that, and I disagree vehemently with both of you, there's no nuance to slavery. It is simple. Hey, slavery was wrong. Now that you've taught slavery is wrong, here are the effects, including but not limited to Jim Crow, oppression, the raising of towns, and the murder and massacre of people. What, what, does, think, the, what does a teacher think? Well, I'm not a teacher. My wife is. You live with one. Uh, I do. Uh, you know, she, she teaches, for instance, that Florida became a U.S. territory to expand the franchise of slavery. She will continue to do that. Uh, a lot of the descriptions that we have had, unfortunately, in the media, and we have amplified the sides of critics of DeSantis has not been accurate. Teachers are allowed to teach all of the ills and yes. horrors of slavery as long as they're not intentionally trying to make kids feel bad. Right. And guess what? Teachers don't do that. It's actually in the law. It says you can't intentionally try to make kids feel bad. It's not happening. However, what the state has not been able to do, and what, to Ed's point, the politics of this have made problematic, is that these are relatively small wording issues we're talking about with big implications. Why they won't be changed, no one will answer. Why, why we have to say that there was violence committed by, by African Americans leading up to Okoe. Why, do you why don't they just strike and by? No one will answer that it's question. A, it, that, that's a, we're getting into the political realm now. We have the governor who's a very strong force mm -hmm. making those laws who's running for president. No? Well, I mean, I, I want to respond a little bit to what Stephen said. I, I, look, I do think that everything with respect to slavery should be nuanced with the starting place that it was horrific and it was wrong. So let's start with that and then move on to some of the nuanced pieces. There, here's the point. You have today, what's the impact on students? Because that ultimately should be the determination that, that... No, no, no. Students actually, it depends. And it's all, you know, age appropriate and whatever. Students should be exposed to challenging on ideas and ideas that scare them and make them feel bad and make them maybe not feel guilty personally, but feel guilty on behalf of, our, on like behalf of the society that they come from. That's education. Like, what do you mean? makes this policy go or not go because we're not talking about how we feel it's how the middle schooler is going to be you know how it's delivered to a middle school you're right there's there's no limitation on a teacher in moving forward about how it's presented the issue here is really simple we don't want to also diminish Stephen the idea that every black who is enslaved was solely a victim they were victims absolutely Wait, what? but on the other hand what you have is you have you have people rising above and overcoming their circumstances that allowed them to oh this motherfucker probably heard i know why the cage bird sings and got the fucking wrong impression from that Seed, honestly allowed them to grow as well, people why don't the standards just say something well, like and, 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 and I think if you, wait, 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 if you take, if you take but, the context of the 100 and 215 uh, page standards they do the absurdity of what you just said can be shown with changing one word change black <clears throat> americans to jewish 
change the circumstances to the Holocaust, and you can't maintain that position. So maintaining that position here is very, very, very disrespectful and dismissive of what the horror that was American slavery and the following oppression of Jim Crow and violence therewith that this country formed the basis of this country, foundational too. 1619 is 100% right. And remember, we live in a state where that book is illegal. Mein Kampf isn't illegal. 1619 Project is illegal. Listen, this That's is how absurd we are. 30 seconds, wrap us up. Republicans playing the long, long game. It's not just about the students. It's what, it's the narrative that is carried forward yeah. in this country decades Correct. hence. Yeah. And cha by changing that narrative, you dismiss, you diminish, you stand to mm -hmm. diminish right. this very fraught part of American history. What a beautiful way to put a big, I'm going to say string around this topic. Um, we have a lot more with you coming up at the end of the show, but right now we're going to take a very quick break. What a fucked up segment. Like, the host didn't do a very good job. Uh, the other white dude was uh, fairly lackluster. <clears throat> I thought he was just going to shut the fuck up and be like, well, I get paid either way. Maybe I'll just sit here. Um... <clears throat> Oh man, we have, we're not going to get through all this. I'm going to skip ahead a little bit. I hope that's okay with everybody here. We got, um, got Laura Ingram talking about, uh, RFK Jr.'s poll numbers here. And, uh, well, you know, she dumb. Now, as to the purging step in the radicals playbook, they prefer doing their dirty work without any questioning or debate. That includes within the Democrat Party itself. Now, look at what they're doing to Democrat presidential candidate RFK Jr. Uh, they're not having a debate like they uh, like they never have for an incumbent ever. They're going to desperate lengths. It's so pathetic to prevent any scenario under which Joe Biden would stand on a debate stage. With this doesn't happen when there's an incumbent president. Like, I, I can't think of a time where the party that had an incumbent president who was running for reelection had debates with rfk jr the party of israel bashers pramila jayapal and elon omar is even claiming he's anti-semitic what mr. he said was respectfully requested that you what he said was very anti-semitic mr kennedy's invitation to be appear here due to his repeated and very recent statements that spread dangerous anti-semitic and anti-asian conspiracy theories and his reckless rhetoric helped fuel anti-semitic incidents so now i'm subject to this new form of censorship which is called targeted propaganda <laughs> this is he's like i'm in front of congress and you have criticized me this is censorship Yo, you're not being, if, as soon as you get to talk in front of Congress on fucking C-SPAN, my, my dude, you are not being censored. This is the exact opposite of censorship. Where people apply pejoratives, anti-Semitism, racism. Yes. These are, are the most appalling, disgusting pejoratives. Well, then maybe you shouldn't fit the description as often as you do, sir. And they're applied to me. Yes. To silence me. Well, no, course, no, you're so like you, the, the fucking, just the fucking, just the absolute stupidity and like, sen like a self, like self aggrandizement and like, like fucking self, like, like the aggrievement that you bring to this when you're talking to Congress and saying, I've been censored as you speak to Congress. Think about 
what you have the like the mental gymnastics you have to go through to to say it much less whether or not you fucking believe it just to get up there and say it us as if on cue pounced the claims made on that tape is false uh it is uh, vile and uh they put our uh, they put our fellow americans in danger in danger please of course criticizing rfk theories about COVID or china okay you can do that it's a debate but using but he just went in front of congress and said they can't because it's censorship or did you watch your own fucking clip as an excuse to try to purge him it's just part of the biden protection racket and cnn is on it we're almost losing track of the number of uh, statements and times they've had to come out uh, since he's announced his bid for president and before then, there are many people close to the Kennedy family and others who think he's simply uh, trying to raise money. There's an audience for what he's saying in some respects from the anti-vaccine community and others, and he's trying to have a platform for all of this. But he's not really running uh, much of a presidential campaign. <laughs> well, maybe because he gets deplatformed every five minutes. Of course, Zeleny is not a dumb person. He knows that if RFK wasn't polling so well... His remarks were polling so well. That's a 59, is a 59 point disparity, 56 point disparity that'd be dealt with. The Democrats would be smart if they did some self-reflection here, because RFK is popular, not just because of his views on the vaccine. He's popular because on key issues, he represents the values of the old Democrat Party. Pro free speech, anti-war, skeptics of big business, defenders of human rights, including in China. So the question is not what's happened to Robert Kennedy Jr., the question is, what happened to the Democrat Party? But now, as to the purging step in the radicals' playbook, but, but wait a minute. First of all, I just you—if you get you're speaking in front of Congress, you're not being censored. Um, somebody in chat was saying that the last time was uh, that, that there was presidential debates for an incumbent was uh, LBJ, but I believe wasn't that after Kennedy had been assassinated and LBJ was put into office. Um, as the vice president, I could see under those circumstances, maybe having some debates, but I don't know. It's up to the Democratic Party if they want to have debates. I would say no, but I don't know. It might be fun to like watch RFK Jr. get his clock cleaned by some old man that he kept calling senile over and over again. Who knows? Who knows? Anyway, up next, we got every once in a while, we get some good news around here. We got Michigan has charged 12 people in the uh, fake elector uh, scandal in uh, t after the 2020 election. So what happened here is that in Michigan, there, were <clears throat> there was a group of people trying to send basically fake electors to the Electoral College, and the people who agreed to be those electors, I believe that's who's being charged here. I would, I, I want, I would rather it be the people who planned it, but you know, this is America, so the shit always rolls downhill. So if anybody's being charged, it's probably just the fake electors. But here's a... Uh, Here's the, I believe, the uh, head of the Michigan DOJ going to announce this. That was a lie. They weren't the duly elected and qualified electors, and each of the defendants knew it. They carried out these actions with the hope and belief that the electoral votes of Michigan's 2020 election would be awarded to the candidate of their choosing instead of the candidate that Michigan voters actually chose. Now... Yep. Good. Good. But again, I, I hope, I hope they're, and we didn't get enough context from that. I hope they're charging the people who planned it and not just the people who agreed to be the electors. But again, America shit rolls downhill. Up next, we got Admiral uh, John Kirby 
uh, with the White House National Security Council, going to talk about UFOs, UAPs. This, this is pretty cool because I, in fact, want to believe. Thank you. John, I want to ask you about something that's starting to gain steam here in Washington, which is UAPs. Unidentified aerial phenomena. Uh, yes, there is I know going to be a, a House Oversight Committee hearing at the end of this month. Uh, Senator Schumer has put forth an amendment to the NDAA that is modeled after the JFK Assassination Records Collection Act. What level of transparency does the Biden administration believe that the American public deserves and should have as it relates to? UAPs? Well, without speaking to proposed legislation, I won't do that. Uh, as you know, the Pentagon has stood up uh, an entire organization to help collate and coordinate uh, the reporting and analysis of, uh, of sightings of UAP across the military. Uh, before that, there wasn't really a coordinated, integrated effort to do that. Um, and of course, we will always want to be as transparent with members of Congress and with the American people as we can considering national security concerns. Ah, he's from the Pentagon bullshit. This used to get laughed at for quite some time, for years and decades. What gets laughed at? The idea of Congress taking this up. I mean, Gerald Ford talked about this as a congressman back in 1966, and here we are, (coughs) what is that, 60 years later, give or take. Uh, is, Is this a legitimate issue? Does the administration believe that getting to the bottom of these sightings in the air. Is it a real concern? Is it a real legitimate issue as you see it? Yeah. I mean, we wouldn't st- we wouldn't have stood up an organization at the Pentagon to analyze and uh, and try to collect and, 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 and coordinate the way these sightings are reported if we didn't take it seriously. Of course we do. I mean, some of these phenomena, we know, have already had uh, an impact on our training ranges for, you know, when pilots are out trying to do training in the air and they see these things, they're not sure what they are, and it can have an impact on their ability to perfect their skills. So it already had uh, an impact here, um, and we just want to better understand it. Now, we're not saying what they are or what they're not. We're saying that there's something our pilots are seeing. We're saying it has had an effect on some of our training operations, and so we want to get to the bottom of it. We want to understand it better. So, yes. Do you believe these whistleblowers that have come forward? I'm not going to talk about individual whistleblowers. A fairly reasonable answer from the guy. He's like, yeah, we're looking into it. We wouldn't be looking into it if we didn't think it was serious. Who knows? <clears throat> Who knows? Um, I think a lot of it's just stuff that's going to, you know, that can be explained uh, via, you know, not aliens. But it's still interesting. And I really, really want to believe in aliens. I mean, I don't believe in God. So, you know. Something's got to come along and save this fucking planet. So maybe it's the aliens. I don't know. Anyway, up next, uh, here's our good friend, Apartheid Clyde. Uh, He, uh, (laughs) four or five days after uh, an office was propped up, was popped up um, in Africa for Twitter. Um, uh, Then they got uh, laid off. This was in Ghana. And then uh, they got ghosted by Apartheid Clyde and his uh, band of merry men or whatever the fuck. Twitter has gone silent on them. They fear that they might not get paid a cent because their last day at Twitter was officially December 4th, even though they lost access to Twitter systems earlier than that. And we're in July, not a word from Twitter. They already feel that this has been a hugely arduous process. Even the negotiation process only took place 
after CNN reported on their case, they feel that they were lowballed into accepting this three months of severance, and they didn't want to get into the extra burden of a legal case. They didn't get any stocks vesting or any of the benefits. And then they agreed to that back in May. Twitter has gone silent on them. I want to read a quote for you from their lawyer, Carla Olympia, who's been representing them from the beginning. She says, unfortunately, it appears that after having unethically implemented their terminations in violation of their own promises and Ghana's laws, dragging the negotiation process out for over half a year, now that we have come to the point of almost settlement, there has been complete silence from them for several weeks. And the lawyer representing these former employees for Twitter in Africa say they're considering legal options in different jurisdictions, including in Ghana. Part of the problem here is if Twitter no longer has a presence in the country, can Ghanaian authorities realistically compel them to comply? It's not clear. And when you think about former Twitter Africa employees, you think it's a big team. No, it's not hundreds of people. It's literally 11 people. So are we saying that the world's richest man cannot pay severance for 11 people who worked for the company in the African team? CNN has reached out to Twitter for comment, and we got what is now a standard response, Rahel, a poop emoji. I'm sorry. I want to understand that correctly. You said you did not get a response, but you, you just got a poop emoji? Is that what you said? <laughs> yes. That's uh, the email to press at twitter.com gives back a poop emoji. Uh, I see. Larry Madoa, I know you've been following the story from the very beginning. Please keep on it. Thank you. That's incredibly fucked up. These people didn't all live in Ghana. <clears throat> Some of them moved to Ghana to take this job. And then uh, four or five days after they fucking showed up, they got fired. And then uh, they were like promised severance or whatever. And now the fucking apartheid Clyde team is just uh, ghosting them. And so these people like have signed leases or, you know, uh, arranged for like accommodations and to try to build a life there. I'm sure some of these people have spouses, kids. Nah, uh, fucking Elon Musk is just like, ah, they're just Africans. Fuck them. Which is, I mean, he's not going to say that, but that's, you know, you know. So we're going to move on to the uh, writer's strike. Here is a, here's a gal giving a speech at one of the uh, writer's strike actions. Hi guys, I love you all for being here. Okay, um, over the past two months of the strike, I've seen WGA members everywhere trying to make their experiences known. Online and on the picket line, in essays and in interviews, giving examples of how the issues at stake in the strike have affected their lives and careers. Making it personal. It reminds me of what happened after Dobbs, how my timeline became filled with people offering their own stories of abortion, of miscarriage, reproductive trauma, IVF. I remember feeling grateful for that chorus of voices. They made me feel sane. They made me feel not alone. But I also felt outraged that we should have to share any aspect of our private experience, our trauma, our anger, our loss, our pain, our joy, our reasons. I understand why we have this impulse to say, look, this is real. This is not theoretical. This is about our lives. What else can we say in the face of a power structure that seems not to recognize our experiences as meaningful? And there is the hope, of course, that adding, one voice, adding one's voice will make a difference. That the people in power might actually finally listen. That we could change someone's mind. So, here's my addition to that course. I've had four pregnancies. Two healthy pregnancies that luckily resulted in two healthy kids and two pregnancies that went so wildly wrong that they required emergency medical intervention. My first pregnancy ended in a miscarriage at 18 weeks. After my D&E, I almost bled out. They had to put me back under to stop the bleeding. 
My third pregnancy was unplanned. I hadn't missed a period, so I hadn't taken a pregnancy test. I didn't know I was pregnant until a strange, suffocating abdominal pain sent me to the ER, where they determined that I was pregnant, just not in my uterus. I needed emergency surgery to remove the ectopic pregnancy, which had ruptured and was filling my abdomen with blood. This is what I think about when I read articles about obstetricians post-jobs fleeing states like Idaho, where they now fear legal repercussions for doing their jobs, like Maya was talking about. My work as a writer and an actor has relocated me to places like that. States where getting the kind of reproductive health care that has twice saved my life would be much, much harder in a post-jobs reality. And for what it's worth, both, both times that I've needed reproductive surgery, I was in the middle of work on a project. I just happened to be in New York with easy access to that care. As of last August, the WGA will pay for any member who needs an abortion to travel to a state where they can legally procure one. Yeah, it's great. But what happens when you don't have time to travel to such a place? When you need surgery now, not hours from now? What happens when you don't need an abortion, but you do need reproductive care that has become much, much harder to find? It's not just that abortion is healthcare. It's that for those of us with bodies capable of bearing children, abortion is so intricately and inexorably tied up with every other aspect of reproductive healthcare that to separate them is to deny us a foundational sense of safety. To make abortion an exception denies us our bodily autonomy. Because if our bodies, the bodies capable of bearing children, belong to us, then abortion is necessary. Beyond that, because it grants us bodily integrity, abortion is sacred. This is like why unions are important, because unions advocate for their, <clears throat> for their union members in ways other than just the paycheck. And a lot of people don't like understand that. Like, it's not the it's not the employer. It's not the movie studio that would send this uh, somebody out of state to get uh, uh, you know reproductive care that they need. That maybe the state that they're in has uh, banned or made difficult to acquire. It's the union that's doing that. And um, <clears throat> not to say that there aren't like movie studios that would. It's just that the union are, just does like as a as a as a part of their part of what they offer their members. You know, most of these movie studios are run by people who are pro-choice and would likely do that. But the knowing that you don't have to worry about it is pretty important when you're like, you know, fucking at work. So uh, <clears throat> here we go. We got a we got a pretty cool clip here of a old lady. I'm just going to call this uh, get him grandma. This huge square is where. The Nazis burned thousands and thousands and thousands of books from authors they thought were inappropriate, not just here in Berlin, but in the entire country on one night, books were destroyed. You know, if a country starts destroying books, that country is in trouble. Get him, Grandma. Grandma's right. Don't don't destroy books, even if you don't like the book. Just fucking don't read it. Or maybe do. Maybe pick up a book you don't like and check it out. I've picked up many that I don't like and checked them out. One of the worst ones I've ever read was Atlas Shrugged. What a piece of shit that book was, but I'm glad I read it. Here's uh here's Cocaine Don Jr. Um, not that cocaine is bad. Uh, just Don Jr. is bad, and he should like uh, maybe not uh, drive the price up by buying it. He's going to talk about uh, military readiness and uh, pronouns. 
Maybe if we had competent people actually like learning how to fight wars rather than learning their pronouns, if we weren't constantly talking about somehow diversity making us a stronger fighting force, even though no one can credibly tell us why, rather maybe just get stronger, get better at shooting, train to do those things rather than the PC woke bullshit, maybe that would be better off. But the people who run the military disagree with you and they think that unicohesion, if, if there's another war, is actually very important. And uh, if you got a bunch of bigots in your, in your fucking your unit or whatever, the fucking people they're bigoted against, it's going to be, they're not going to feel very cohesive as a unit. So, uh, fuck Cocaine Don Jr. And, uh, I mean, that's about it. Fuck Cocaine Don Jr. Up next, we got a good one. And this, this guy's been a bit of a mixed bag over the last maybe decade. This is a uh, Charles Barkley. He said some real bad shit before. And, uh, right now he's going to be, what he's going to say here is going to uh, generally be pretty okay. I think. So, I'm going to buy some drinks for y'all, and I'm going to buy Bud Light. Hey, and let me tell you something. All you rednecks or assholes who don't want to drink Bud Light, fuck y'all. <laughs> Because let me tell you something, if y'all fire me and give me all that money, I'm going to be playing golf every fucking day. So listen, as I said last night, if you're gay, God bless you. If you're trans, God bless you. And if you have a problem with them, fuck you. Get him, get him. Like I said, Charles Barkley has been a definitely a mixed bag over the last 10 years, but like on this stuff, especially lately, he's been pretty good and fucking shout out to Charles fucking Barkley. If you had a problem with them, fuck you. <laughs> so up next is, uh, this lady named Rebecca. She went to, uh, she was going to the movies and she found out that the, uh, well, I'll let her talk about it. This is about the sound of freedom. We have in fact, uh, Austin Bennett ruled uh, one Mr. Jim Caviezel, but Jim Caviezel ain't in this clip. So I went to go buy my Oppenheimer tickets and I saw that the QAnon movie Sound of Freedom was playing at the theater nearby me. And so I clicked on it thinking, come on, surely nobody is going to see this, this crazy movie. Sure enough, it was sold out completely. Every seat but the handicapped seats are sold out at the local theater for the tonight showing at seven. So I looked at some of the other showtimes for tonight at 7, and most of them are mostly empty. So I bought a ticket to Mission Impossible, because I am not giving QAnon people, and I'm not any money, and I'm not taking up a handicapped seat in their theater. And I'm going to stop by the theater where they're showing Sound of Freedom and see if there's actually a sold-out audience or not. Because I've seen the rumors online about them astroturfing this movie to make buzz about it so they can use it as basically a gateway to spread QAnon conspiracy theories. So, um, we'll find out. Okay, so I'm at the theater, and the movie starts in five minutes. Five minutes. Okay. <laughs> there is no one here. I mean, you would think so. You found fame on TikTok. So Not I'm a single person in this sold-out theater, and it starts in 
dance sequences. Four minutes. They're astroturfing the movie. Yeah, a lot of people thought that. Um, you know, you just have to take her word for it. I don't know who she is, but you know, <clears throat> there have been a lot of people who went and the the that had been sold out, and they, uh, the the QAnon and somebody on QAnon Anonymous went and said, "Oh, you know, it looked like the theater was nearly sold out." And I went there, and there was like fifteen people in the theater. So this is like been people have been talking about this over and over again. It's like when um <clears throat> when basically any political figure puts out a book, there will be political action committees that will just buy up a bunch of the book to get them on the New York times bestseller list. I think this is just a version of that that's going on. And like, they're open about it too. They're encouraging people who buy tickets to buy more than one so that they can give away a ticket to somebody. But then if nobody wants to be given away that ticket, they just, they just bought it in the fucking, the production company pockets, the fucking money. So not a bad strategy, but pretty dishonest. Anyway, up next we got a, we got a Osama. I'm not, Oh my God, this is the Bin Laden of Orcas. I can't believe this. Here we got a, we got a fucking, we got a, a news hit about the fucking, about the angry whales. Orcas, you know, the big black and white killer whales there in movies and stuff. They're attacking boats off the Iberian Peninsula, you know, Spain and Portugal, the Strait of Gibraltar. Uh, theories of, uh, uh, honestly, the, the, the uprising, it's an uprising. And it is a pretty, now you're very enthusiastic about this. I, uh, this, this is an amazing story, though. The story goes, according to accounts from the region, um, that an orca, a, a killer whale, a big whale, was uh, injured by a boat, perhaps by a prop. And then they're very smart animals, and they're organized. They have, uh, like, union leaders. It's, it's like the, <laughs> it's like the uh, I don't know, Osama bin Laden of orcas has organized all the orcas to get together and attack boats in the same area where the orca was injured. Mm-hmm. And it's, yeah, get it's kind of an amazing story, isn't it? Get them. Yeah. Get him. That's so funny. Called him the Osama bin Laden of Orcas. Or like the union boss, you know, because those are the same things. The same things. Union boss, Osama bin Laden. You know, just the same thing. (laughs) I know you're all dying to know the answer to this. Will there be steak in heaven? I mean, that's actually a pretty valid question. I don't know the answer, but don't worry. uh, Some weird pastor guy that looks a little like Kirk Cameron, kind of. Um... I believe this guy has the answer and maybe the Christians aren't going to like it. I don't know. I didn't watch this. Sean, do you think we'll be able to eat steak in heaven? Oh, I love this question. And there's a certain tension here because number one, we love, at least I do, a medium rare filet mignon, but steak comes from the death of animals. So will there be animals killed in heaven? Now, theologians might differ over that. So I don't think we have to land that. But if there's not steak in heaven from the death of animals, I think God will have some steak substitute like people are trying <laughs> to create with technology today that not only is as good, but even better. So the bottom line is, Gabe, no one's going to get to heaven and feel like, oh, I missed out. What the heck? I can't have some joy that I had on earth. It's not going to happen. Heaven is going to blow away our wildest expectations. <laughs> What a dumb fucking, what a, I mean, I'm sure, whatever. I mean, there's going to be synthetic steak in heaven and they fucking hate synthetic steak, dude. That's like woke steak. You're telling them they're going to be woke steak in heaven, man. <clears throat> Up next, we got uh, just the facts with Candace Taylor and uh, some guest of hers. I don't know who the fuck her guest is here. 
Our country was founded on on the Bible and you cannot separate it because common law, which is our whole judicial system, was founded on common law. Common law came out of the Bible. So our whole constitution is founded on the word of God. That is facts. You cannot separate it. Oh, well, there we go. Common law isn't the law of the land, by the way. It's based on some common law ideas, but the law of the land is actually legislative law, not common law. <clears throat> Up next, uh, I thought, I didn't know uh, Jim Baker was still around, but here's a clip from the Jim Baker show. They're going to talk about uh, a race, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to be fucking great. Absolutely fantastic. They have us worried about weather, worried about social things, worried about race relations that is made up most of it. When, when I was on television in the early years, we had the best relationship with the black and white that I'd ever seen in America. And now it's, it's, it's deteriorating because they've, they've, they've worked this thing up. So they're, they're, they're stirring us. Ah, uh, yes, the 60s known for its racial harmony. Against each other. <laughs> Shout out to Right Wing Watch, but my God. I mean, this guy started his ministry in the 60s. They're the racial harmony, not, not what the 60s was known for. Up next, we got a CRT is actually bad because it, it like denies you God's glory. Again, shout out to Right Wing Watch. When you look at critical race theory, one of the things it does, I think from a Christian standpoint that we have to really understand is it robs the believer of the opportunity to suffer for Christ. If what? you are promoting critical race theory, what you're saying is that the, is that all suffering or all injustice in society, all persecution in society is as a result of skin color, uh, socioeconomic status, country of origin, you know, uh, uh, amount but not of, all you know, persecution, just this particular type melanin in your skin or something like that, that that what this does is it robs from the believer, especially the believer that is a person of color, if we're going to use these kind of arbitrary definitions, which I don't really think I have a whole lot of meaning anyways. Is there uh, another word you'd prefer, Lucas? I get the idea there's another word maybe Lucas would prefer here. Just a guess, though. Uh, from a faith standpoint, but if we're going to take on this, this nomenclature, I, I think that it's very important to recognize that this robs God of something that uh, that we're called to give him, and that is obedience in the face of suffering and persecution when we suffer for his namesake. Whoa! Eternity, the only thing that I can give the Lord that I can't give him in eternity is suffering for the sake of Christ, suffering for the gospel. Critical race theory robs this because now the suffering is all about me. It's about my skin color. It's about my sexuality, my you know country of origin, my immigration status, you know my socioeconomic status, and this takes from God the glory that could be given to him in the face of suffering for the name of Christ and the name of Christ alone. Well, that would be my least favorite kind of uh, Christianity. Um, so you, by teaching that uh, human beings uh, did uh, horrible things to one another and continue to do it today, you've like denied God the ability to do horrible things to people. Is that sort of what he said? I think that's, I mean, he didn't say that, but that's sort of what I got. It denies the fucking ability to suffer for Christ. Fuck out of here. I'm so glad the religious people that hang around this community aren't like that. <laughs> like, But most religious people aren't like that. Most religious people would watch that and go, shut your mouth. <laughs> like, All right, up next we got, uh, here's a Christian pastor, and he's going to talk about uh, what kind of TV people watch. And... Um, 
not great. Uh, this will be the first time we've ever played a video by his name is Stuart Allen Clark. Sing around the house. Put scripture on the refrigerator. Put them everywhere. Talk about God all the time. And when they watch their TV screens, here's something you need to do. Screens all the time. If they're watching that Jew channel, Whoa. and some guy gets comes on there, some expert in quotations comes on there, and he talks about how the world is 4.5 billion old, you say, no, 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 that's not what the Bible says. That's not what God says. Here's what God says. God says in Genesis 1, and according to genealogical records that, that we have, that the earth is only 6,000 years old. You remember that, son. You say that. We're not going to run that again. Everybody heard that, though, right? Like, he's like, I'm watching this kind of this Jew channel. Like, what the fuck? Like, I have a feeling like maybe we won't watch any more of um, Stuart Allen Clark because I, I didn't, uh, what, well, not a big fan. Not a big fan of Stuart Allen Clark. It was very, very, he was very casual in his demeanor as he said something like just very anti Semitic. I also, maybe I'd ask him if I was there. I'd be like, what are the channels? Which channels are you talking about? Anyway, this absolute ghoul, uh, Stephen Miller, uh, has a new grift. He is going to talk about if you've been victimized by equality policy, equity policies, you can uh, contact him and uh, give him money to lose a court case. Hello, Stephen Miller here, president of America First Legal. You may have seen advertisements for our new initiative, with a hotline for Americans who are victims of illegal bigotry at the hands of the diversity, equity, and inclusion cult. This cult has taken over corporate America. Who are the victims? One company after another has illegal diversity quotas, illegal DEI initiatives, illegal equity bigotry, targeting citizens just because of their skin color. This woke racism is wrong, it's illegal, and we must defeat it. So we've created a hot. So, so he's going to get like calls from people to be like, they hired a black at my, uh, at my job. I think they also hired one of them queers. AFL five, four, five, four. That's one, eight, seven, seven, AFL five, four, five, four, where you can call and complain. This guy's literally going to be suing companies for hiring people of color and queer folks and maybe too many women where you can share intelligence, where you can ask for legal help or services. And again, we are a non-profit charitable legal foundation. What kind of salary do you take from it, friendo? That we provide to our clients is provided to them free of charge, pro bono. You can also go to www.aflegal.org slash equality. That's www.aflegal.org slash equality. And we have a digital hotline where you can fill I can imagine the court case. Somebody in chat just said, oh, it's going to be people that got passed over for a promotion. So they get a court, like whatever. And then uh, during it comes out, they're like, oh, you know, why'd you pass them over for a promotion? And then the fucking person from the company might be like, well, you know, he's the kind of guy that went running to Stephen Miller when he didn't get the promotion. So, you know, maybe we made the right call. I don't know. One eight seven seven afl 5454 number as well. Why have we created these hotlines? So that Americans who are being crushed under the boot heel of illegal discrimination have a way to vindicate their rights, to fight for justice for themselves and their families, and so that we can create a country that is once again grounded in equality. In when was it grounded in equality? Equal treatment. We can extricate ourselves from this poisonous, woke ideology that pits citizen against citizen based on race or skin color. 
family against family, neighborhood against neighborhood, that crushes the human spirit, that crushes innovation, that crushes individuality by deciding that skin color and ancestry, not your individual merits and your individual talents and your individual passions will decide your destiny. What? A policy. But, but when they, like, when does he think that was the case? People based on what they can contribute is the policy that gives the most to everyone in this country. But when you begin to divide and segregate and punish based on skin color, everyone loses. Everyone is less well off. Everyone is less safe. Everyone is hurt. Everyone is punished. But to win the battle against illegal equity quotas, to restore meritocracy, equality, and liberty for all, we need your help. Visit our website. And if you have information, if you have intelligence, if you or a loved one's been a victim, then write to us or call us. Let me give you an example of some of our work. We filed a lawsuit against Amazon because they have a $10,000 bonus to delivery service partners. But if you are white or if you are Asian, you are not eligible for that bonus. Rank discrimination, completely illegal. So we're going to get thrown out. I bet he doesn't even he just like heard it from somebody. One civil rights complaint after another. We I mean, fuck Amazon, too. But it's Mars Corporation because they have illegal racial. They have illegal hot M&Ms. Or no, they made the M&Ms not hot. They have set specific targets. So they want to increase representation of specific non-white ethnicities by 40 percent. These kinds of skin-based hiring targets and quotas are illegal. They are wrong. They're divisive. They're destructive. They're un-American. And one company after another is guilty of the same. One company after another, one major firm after another, has fellowships that are discriminatory based on race. They have internships that are exclusive based on race. They have hiring initiatives, leadership initiatives, training initiatives, grant programs, business programs, development programs, one after another. That is discriminatory based on race. You can go to our website. You can follow us on Twitter and you can see instance after instance and example after example of major corporations and major academic institutions violating American civil rights based on skin color. We've sued Texas A&M. We've sued Texas medical schools. How did this, how are the, how was the litigation going though? For explicit racial discrimination. And I'm sure you're all familiar with the huge Supreme Court case that has been brought relating to affirmative action. And if that case is ultimately successful, then we will see even more instances where plaintiffs have valid and legitimate claims against universities for their illegal programs or practices. But as it stands right now, discrimination on the basis of race is already illegal. Discrimination on the basis of skin color is already illegal. It already violates federal civil rights law. And many of these programs are also flagrantly unconstitutional as well. And we've been fighting the Biden administration in court, and we are fighting woke corporations that um, that employ this vile bigotry. But again, we need your help to prevail. This is the part where he asks for money. That's yo, this guy's not a civil rights activist. He's just fucking trying to raise money for his fucking 
for his charity. He's not going to charge anybody for the legal fees, but he's going to try to get a bunch of dupes to give them money. And I just wonder, like, what's his fucking salary look like from this organization? Like, once they start, like, really raising money, how much money do you think he's going to start taking home as uh, the, the fucking spokesperson or the, the head or the CEO or whatever it is of that organization? This whole thing is a fucking, this whole thing is designed probably to pay Stephen Miller. Stephen Miller is fucking disgusting. Nobody should hire Stephen Miller. It, it's not discrimination. It's just, um, what's that? Uh, 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 discretion. <laughs> anyway, up next, we got uh, uh, Steve Bannon uh, brags that Tucker Carlson has somehow just ended Mike Pence's political career at an evangelical event in Iowa. Like, everybody was like, oh, you know who's going to beat Donald Trump in the primaries? It's going to be good old Mike Pence. The fuck? As the head of that, Vanderplatz likes to uh, consider himself the king of the evangelical, you know, Christian vote in Iowa. Really, uh, he tends to go with people that give to his foundation, and that's how his decisions seem to be made. And so he was hosting the summit. They, Whoa! Yeah, throwing some shots they fired. Claimed they invited Trump. It was, uh, it seems like a, a hostile type of invitation. He had a scheduling conflict anyway. But you had all the different candidates come, and they they claim they invited Trump. My opinion is that a host it was a hostile invitation, but also he had a prior engagement. Tucker Carlson be the one to interview them which was hilarious because he basically just you know destroyed all of them but what but he didn't do it in mean spirit he was asking for, here's the key thing right. he was asking questions you would hear in the war room every day yeah. and the audience you could tell and i say this yeah. the audience 100 percent knew what he was talking about and understood the direction of the question yeah. the political class and this was tim scott nikki haley uh mike pence they're sitting there like they never heard these concepts before. Right. Right. I think Tim Scott, and by the way, just some free advice to Senator Scott, he's a good guy. You got to stop. The, it's a nervous tick when you just give some BS answer and pivot away with the happy smile and everything. Yeah. Like, it's not going to work. If you want to be president of the United States, if you want to be vice Don't president smile. of the United States, you got to, when a guy asks you a question, you got to deal with the question. He had a question yeah. on immigration, all of it. Tucker Assey's, it ended the limited career Mike Pence still had in front of him. And that's his yeah. audience. I mean, yeah. it's even. It was absolutely embarrassing, the questions in Ukraine, J6, all of it. Yeah, I think Tim Scott, to me, was the worst performance in that I, I expected him to do well. Iowa's, he's taking his entire race on Iowa. That's where you would think he uh, would connect. But, the, gosh, I, there was no connection there at all. They, I think they all did very poorly. Uh, Vivek did okay. Um, but, you know, the, the funny part Vivek, is yeah, the, the Republicans are going to vote for a guy named Vivek Ramaswamy. If he was running as a Democrat and I liked his policies, I vote for him because that's because I don't give a fuck. But the Republicans ain't gonna vote for a dude named Vivek Ramaswamy. He's running for president of the intellectual dark web. So this conference, though, they would not even allow Trump to send a surrogate. In fact, I, I read something about how they wanted J.D. Vance to go, yeah. and they said, absolutely not, no MAGA allowed inside this building. And so Blaze TV was the co-host, and they were the ones who were kind of, uh, they were doing live coverage of it and uh, doing live analysis, and it was uh, Glenn Beck and Steve Deese. And so Jack Posobiec was going to go and be the co-host, and that was sort of going to be the MAGA voice. No bumble Jack. Um, and so they, I'd actually reached out and asked if Carrie could attend the event. And they'd said, no, again, no MAGA surrogates. And so behind Well, no, that, they don't want Carrie Lake to attend the event because she's just embarrassing. We booked her to be the take Posobiec's place. So Vanderplatt says, no idea Carrie Lake is walking into this. Oh, party, I didn't know that. Nor do the DeSantis people. Oh, I didn't people. know that. So they just all melt Hold down. It, stop. And it was you like, had not given Oh, yeah. Them. So, yeah, no. We, uh, Such a Carrie Lake. Did you probably mention me lying? So what happened when Carrie Lake walked in? Oh, the DeSantis team has a meltdown because they weren't told. Well, no one was. I mean, literally, the only people that knew this was happening, basically, at this point, was Glenn Beck. <laughs> Glenn Beck. And even, you know, Steve Deese is a guy who's not super pro-Trump, right? He's been yeah. against it. But he ended up even tweeting out, 
I have to say something. Carrie Lake was so impressive and gracious to me and my wife. She served <laughs> the former president well today. That's what I think Carrie of Carrie Lake. Just, so, and it'd be the best thing because Carrie then ended up being on air for two hours, bracketing in live time these people's speeches. And she was a rock star in there, right? There were mobs following her. She went over the press riser. So that's just some fun behind the scenes baseball of how that came about. As the head of that. Vanderplatz likes to... Uh, okay, like that's... The king of the... Like, fucking i i don't know if anything she said there was true but i did like the part where she was like they invited trump um but it was like a mean invite and he had like oh i also had another engagement and it's like well then they said oh no no maga there and it's like well that's trump trump was invited they wanted to send jd vance's weird ass there and they're like don't send jd vance here and then they wanted to send jack bumble jack Posobiec there they're like i guess he was supposed to be a co-host or something then they're like oh i know carrie lake and they're like oh dear Dear, that lady believes in chemtrails. <clears throat> Up next, we got Tiny Dancer Ben. He's going to talk about um, air conditioning. Uh, you know what the solution to climate change is, everybody? Just air conditioning. Can I point out that there are a lot of headlines right now about how hot it is outside? I know. It's hot outside. You know what I can do about that? Zero things. Thank God we have this thing called air conditioning. It's awesome. You know, it's a great cure for being super duper hot outside, being a first world country. Amazing. It works out tremendously well because it turns out that if you have a really solid energy grid and you have the capacity to turn on that AC, you're living quite comfortably these days. You know what sucks? Global poverty. You know what brings global poverty? Decarbonization. Oh, no. Let me also point out that uh, the media always do this routine when it's very, very hot outside. They never, ever cover it when it's cold. So it's funny. The media will say, well, you know, it's, it's not global warming. It's not climate change. And the reason they changed the term from global warming to climate change is because the, the climate in many cases is colder during the winters than it was before. So it's hotter during the summers and it's colder during the winters. They've called this climate weirding, but that doesn't really seem to go over all that way. So, not, so they call Wait, it climate what? change, which, of course, is an incredibly vague term because the climate is always changing. However, it is worth noting at this point that all of this, folks, millions will die of the heat waves that are occurring on planet. Oh, my God. The ocean is so hot during the summer in Florida. Okay, so first of all, it is hot this summer in Florida. Also, it's not like every summer in Florida. You've been to Florida? It's but really, the, the really heat hot. of the ocean, Ben, 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 like, the, the, the ocean, the worldwide global ocean summer. temperature was like nearly 70 degrees. Well, That's never ago, happened. We moved anyway because air conditioning exists. Like, <clears throat> you can't air condition the fucking planet, Ben. And then if a bunch of people run their air conditioning that uses more electricity and we still burn fossil fuels to get electricity and burning those fossil fuels is what the uh, overwhelming consensus among scientists is uh, one is causing uh, climate change, global warming. And global warming is uh, part of climate change. Average global temperature is up. The fact that it gets a, that it gets colder in the winter in some places than it used to doesn't mean that like average global temperature isn't rising. What the fuck? But Ben knows this shit, right? Ben knows this shit. It's just that he knows who he's talking to. Anyway, here's a, <clears throat> we're going to go with the Daily Wire C team, Michael Knowles. He's going to talk about uh, Francisco Franco. And, you know, broadly speaking, you know, pretty good. Morning, sexy Mike philosophers as SBJ Buffalo blood. How are you? Good to see you. Sisu ew, ew. That's the most disturbing part of this. Morning, sexy Mike philosophers as SBJ Buffalo Blood. How are you? Good to see you. 
Sisu, just like how they tried tying Maloney to Mussolini, the leftist media are trying to tie Vox Party to Franco's boogeyman. Yeah, except the difference here is Mussolini was a pretty bad guy. He's not, he wasn't the worst guy in the world. He wasn't Hitler, certainly. He wasn't Stalin. He wasn't Lenin. But he, Mussolini was, let's say, at least, at least a mixed bag leaning on the side of bad. Wait, Mussolini? Well, I mean, the trains ran on time. Not, uh, he was a bad political leader. Franco was, broadly speaking, pretty good. Given the circumstances that he was in, you've got the communists threatening to take over the entire country, and they're killing priests and raping nuns. Uh, Franco was pretty good, because Franco wasn't a, a fascist. Franco wasn't a Nazi. Many people believe that Franco was a fascist. These things exist on a spectrum. You don't have to be as bad as Mussolini to be a fascist. Uh, Franco was a conservative Catholic kind of guy who held things together and liberalized over time too, as the circumstances permitted it. Uh, I don't know. I mean, even even to you're saying it's crazy. To yeah, he chose it. to talk about this too. That's the weird part, right? He's like, oh, let's just uh, let's just do a Franco stand or the the current party to Franco. But even to compare Franco to the other bad men of the 20th century, I, I think is is a great yeah. Then why compare anything to anything? Actually, and, and the Maloney to Mussolini thing is completely insane. Especially because Mussolini starts out as a socialist. He's a socialist intellectual in Italy, and then like a number of socialists. <laughs> Uh, becomes radicalized in a way to the to the right, but he still had so many leftist modernist. What the fuck? Premises that you can't. It's really difficult to neatly categorize fascism on the left or, or on the right, uh, and and also, and he had a pretty rough relationship with the church. It was a bit strained for most of his political career. Um, compare that to Maloney, who Maloney not only is not engaging in the the right wing continental Italian tradition that Mussolini comes from. She's quoting Chesterton. She's, she's quoting uh, Edmund Burke. She's quoting the Anglo-conservative tradition that's, that's quite different from the continental one. So, yeah, it's just completely insane. That, that was dumb. That was dumb. Was Franco, <coughs> was Franco as bad as Mussolini? No. But, like, it, that's a, I mean, is that, your, is that your bar now? I mean, is that where we set the bar? I mean, if we're setting the bar there, that's not a really, you know. Little, it's kind of dumb. Anyway, here uh, up next is uh, Jimothy Dore, aggressively unfunny uh, comedian, uh, talking about uh, January 6th. Did you have confidential human sources dressed as Trump supporters inside the Capitol on January the 6th oh. prior to the doors being opened? Oh. Again, I had to be very careful. It should be a no. Can you not tell the American people no? We did not have confidential human sources dressed as Trump supporters positioned inside the Capitol. Gentlemen's time has expired. You should not read anything into my decision uh, not to share it from directly. Gentlemen's time has expired. Did you have, were there FBI guys dressed up as Trump supporters inside the Capitol before they breached the Capitol? Can't, can't tell you. It should be a no. But it's not a no. To be what? fair, the guy asking the questions was like not letting him finish what he was saying. Why would they do that? Maybe they were planning on doing this. Maybe they were planning on inciting a riot, getting Trump supporters. I mean, maybe Jimmy, maybe so Jimmy. they could make MAGA an illegal political movement. You can't do that. What do you mean they're going to make it illegal? What they've been trying to do, and they can try to throw President Trump in jail for instigating it. 
That's what this is. That's what January 6th is. But there are other uh, criminal actions uh, going on with Donald Trump, and that might not be the one that takes him down, Jimothy Dore. All right. Well, this is our last uh, last clip before we go into the post game, everyone. Um, we're going to go ahead and uh, check in on Brett and Heather. <laughs> so let's see what Brett and Heather have been up to. Shout out to the bad stats on uh, Twitter for watching this shit so that we don't have to. I had gotten, for whatever reason on Twitter, dumped into what I call Nazi Twitter. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right? And I tweeted about it yesterday or the day before. And I got back a reaction that I was not expecting. When I say Nazi Twitter, I am talking about a part of Twitter where swastikas are not viewed as negative, where Hitler is quoted in an effort to illustrate that he is not who we were told he was. In fact, the idea that is commonly circulated in this part of Twitter is that the television is lying to you, which I'm sure it is, mm -hmm. but that the television is lying to you, that Hitler actually was not interested in war. He was... <laughs> This guy's like, I have been uh, deeply engaged, engaged in the culture war and in baseless conspiracism for the last few years. And now, I don't know how this happened, but now there's just, now there's like a bunch of Nazis following me and commenting on my stuff. And now, now I see Nazi posts because I asked, maybe I followed some of them back not knowing they were Nazis. I don't know, Brad, I don't know how that happened to you, friendo was interested in peace and that the narrative that has been created around him in the aftermath of the Holocaust and World War II is a construction of, you guessed it, Jews in Hollywood. Mm. Right? Now. Amazing. Amazing. But then here's the crazy part. He's like, I've been blowing this dog whistle for a very long time, but I've also had earplugs in. I took off the earplugs. I hear all these dogs barking. That's not, that's not every account. Okay. Most of the accounts over in that land are replying there. And there are some people over there that I know people who have actually defended us in some cases. These people are not Nazis, mm -hmm. but they are now trafficking in a kind of sophistication. Or <laughs> this is amazing. Or false sophistication that I know what it is because frankly I wrote a paper on it in college saying here is what this impulse to genocide actually is to watch people now trafficking in Hitlerian revisionism including you know seriously we're talking about accounts who have been you know in one case an important covid dissident account it's an anonymous account so i don't know who who it is but um but it was important we're talking about people who should know better <laughs> if you sleep with dogs you get fleas he just figured this out like yo like every conspiracy theorist isn't a fascist or like a hitler apologist but it you know you go deep enough down the, the, any rabbit hole, and at the bottom of the rabbit hole is that racist drawing of a Jewish person with the big nose and shit. And I, I can't imagine he didn't know. Well, I don't know. For a while, I thought these people were just grifting, but more and more, I'm starting to think that they're fucking stupid. Anyway, apparently, uh, 
Here's uh, Heather's response to this, saying that uh, she's noticing also some of her uh, culture war friends on Twitter uh, believe regressive things about women. What I'm hearing from you talking about this and what I'm seeing over in um, relations between the sexes is, okay, full stop, we're done. All of that was a mistake. Let's go back to trad everything. Racist, misogynist, everything. <laughs> fucking, I can't believe, I can't fucking believe this. Homophobic, all of it, right? And it can be easy if you're not paying any attention at all to think that those of us who are critiquing the uh, the overreach, the uh, bludgeoning of people with actually new racist things and newly sexist ideas um, <clears throat> are are part of the problem. Imagine it just dawning on you one day on your in the middle of your fucking podcast that you're a useful idiot because that's what we're seeing happen here. These people are just useful idiots. But it is a new it, it, this this call to tradition, this call to what has already been is so often what you're seeing, what you're calling Nazi Twitter and what I'm seeing. And I don't have a name for it yet, but uh, it's called your followers. It's called the people watching your show right now. What is being revealed in a lot of the trans ideology is this like, okay, part of the problem, you know what I see? Oh, the problem is that women got the vote. Really? That's where we are. We're allowed to say that now. I mean, those are your followers, though. Yeah, I don't know what to tell you. Oh, okay. So guess what, pseudo lefties? This is your making. Wait, this is my fault now? Or does she mean, because I mean, you, I am every communist favorite shit lib. She's talking to me, pseudo lefty. This is my fault. This is going to be great. She's going to be like, you know what? You just did too much of the transing. Just too, you were just too nice to the trans people and you just talked too much shit to the bigots. And now the bigots hate me. No lady, they hated you the whole time. Like this, this, this is something that you have helped create. You have helped come, you know, bring out into, into the public with strength because you're saying things that are so insane that people are looking around going like, what, what can I do? Maybe the only thing I can do is to seek to reverse the clock by 150 years and see if we can't start over from there. Back in, an, back in an era when not nearly as many people had voices because of immutable characteristics of their birth. And no, none of us should want to go back there. But of course, people- Except your followers do. About it. And they're-, they're these people you're talking about are very, very grateful for all the help you've been giving them over the last three or four years, to be perfectly honest. Like, no, the lefties that they're talking about who made this happen are the ones who were trying to tell them this whole time that this is what was going to happen, that this is what they were enabling. And then you blocked us all. You blocked us all. You called us bad faith actors. You refused to have anybody on your show who might give you an opposing view on any of this stuff this whole time. And now you're like, well... I was making this house and now now i've built the house so here's more <laughs> and the problem is that there is you know birth control is simultaneously a tremendous gift right one that if you use it irresponsibly can wreck your civilization wait what but if you leverage it correctly whoa well they're gonna go to birth rate shit now well, what? Hey, wait a minute. Hold on. 
I wonder why people think that you're one of them. Whether they think, hey, this is our guy. To do both things, right? A woman who wants to have children and to build a career can now control the timing of her family and the size of her family. Whoa, or what if they don't want one at all? No, 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 no. Oh, no. Oh, my fucking God. <laughs> they're like, oh, these people think we're, we're just like them. And then they're like, here, let's, uh, let's, let's, uh, let's remind them that we are. Here we go. Got one last, one last clip of a uh, brother before we, uh, before we play uh, boomers and go on into even more um, wild things. Here's the last clip. <laughs> this is amazing. This is the fucking... This is the best thing I've ever seen. I think this is a completely genuine person who is also, you know, in addition to being at the very upper echelon of orators, at least in English, um, he's also extremely well-versed in the subject matter that he talks about. You know, he, which is many, many subject matters as well. Right. Yeah. And so he, oh, they're talking about RFK Jr. here. He's, he's extremely well-versed in the subject matters. And he talks about a lot of subject matters. He's extremely well-versed in all of them. Stuff that sounds too shocking to be true, but his answer is the same. It's well, show me where I've got it wrong. Here's what I'm going from here. Here's mm -hmm. what, I, here's what I read. Yep. Here's how I understand it. Show me where I've got it wrong. And when you do show him where he's got it wrong, he does back up and change. So anyway. Uh, on those rare occasions where he's got it wrong. Right. Right. On those rare occasions. And, you know, it's usually not wildly wrong. It's right. somewhat wrong. Sure. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, now I kind of want to watch that whole episode. Like, the first two clips were amazing, right? The, and then you see the third clip where they were, they were talking about uh, fucking birth rate shit. And it's like, well, the third clip is why the first two clips happened is because they're like, oh, that's our guy, that's our gal. They're they're saying the things that we're saying. And then they're like, you're like, but but now you're saying them, now you're saying them, you're you're not saying them as if you're like a like an NPR academic. You're just coming out and saying fascist shit. Whereas I was like I was I was like just kind of whispering to you, you know, that I was one of you. And now you're like, hey, this is one of us. He's like, why are all the transphobes also sexist? Oh, lady, lady, lady. You don't usually just have bigotry as you it's like a fucking buffet. It's not an a la carte generally. And one of the things that like I've been, you know, when we do when we do the Sunday show and we talk about this kind of stuff, it's one of the things that I've been trying to drive home is that like if somebody doesn't like gay people, they probably if they're white, they probably don't like black people. They might not feel comfortable telling you that they don't like black people. But maybe, you know, get a few drinks into them and, you know, who knows? Who knows what happens? But that's what I'm saying is that's why, like, when that's why when bigotry happens, it hurts everyone. Um, just a quick example. Uh, when I was a kid, uh, high school, um, I came out as gay. A friend of mine, Ben, uh, we probably shouldn't have called him this in high school. We called him Red Hot Flaming Straight because he appeared to be gay. And what happened was or appeared to some people to be gay. I didn't think he was gay. But he said he was straight. You know, I believed him. What happened was he, because of people assuming he was gay because of personality traits he had, he then got basically splash over, well, not even splash over, just bigotry directed at him by virtue, in, to some extent, just from being my friend. And that's like an example of why bigotry hurts everyone. If you're, if like, that's why we need to like 
you know, try to stop it to the extent that we can whenever we see it, because it, it never it never stops at whatever the, the the bigoted party or the bigoted group claims the intended target is. They always got a list, right? They're like Santa Claus. They're making a list and they're checking it twice. And unless you're a very specific kind of person, you probably on that fucking list, too. And with that, that's the end of the podcast part of the show. I want to thank everybody who is watching live. Stay put. We're going to have other madness, um, including Madison Star Moon, uh, JFK, JFK's grandson. I'll get, check up on little Nikki Fuentes. And um, we got some Mike Lindell. And then uh, there's an Aussie cooker called Guru. And then uh, Tiny Dancer Ben does a 45-minute review of the Barbie movie, which I'm sure you're all pretty excited to uh observe this is boomers by periscope uh, i don't have to change the color of the lights in the studio because we started late and i decided to go with red lights all evening but i will change the content of my drink i'll be right back everybody uh just kick it and thanks again podcast listeners uh go to echoplexmedia.com support to find a way to join either via fourth wall or patreon and you can download the entire video if you want
If you like what we're doing at Echoplex and aren't into Twitch, please join our Patreon at patreon.com slash Echoplex. For $5, you can get every show from beginning to end sent to you as an MP3, even the stuff we bleep out because it's too spicy for Twitch. Echoplex would not be where we are today if it wasn't for the community support we receive. Find out all the ways you can support the show at echoplexmedia.com slash support.